How many of you like the drizzle rain thing? Just wave at me. Yeah, it's kind of fun, isn't it? I, I like it when it's not so windy. You know, it's just kind of nice and get another cup of coffee and just enjoy yourself. But, man, you're looking good. It is good to see you. Thank you for taking the time to be here. We really do appreciate it. And I hope you're feeling right at home. If you're newer to Timberline, get involved, jump in. It's a fun church. We call this our living room because it's where we talk about real life. And we really believe we are the family of God. And so open up, be vulnerable, and don't be afraid to let comments and suggestions and ideas penetrate the heart a little bit. Today especially. There, there's, some, there's some amazing things in the book of James. Are you enjoying James? Yeah. I am too. I, I just am learning so much. And we've tried to put a, a lot of variety of speakers up here in front of you. And man, they're just... Every one, I just feel like I get an arrow in my heart of good things to consider and to think about. And so thanks for being involved and engaged with all of us. Well, today we're continuing uh, being whole in a fractured world. Becoming whole in a fractured world. <laughs> this couldn't be a better title for the world we're in right now. It's almost like ridiculous. Everything that's kind of compiling to say, how can I be a whole person? And I just want to say this, I'm not sure that in this life on the earth, until Jesus fully reigns on the earth, that we can be entirely, completely whole. We're all missing a few elements, and with temptation and challenges and the flesh and the seeds of the flesh, it's pretty hard to, to be completely whole, but we're striving. And that's, that's really what today is about. Am I, am I leaning in to life? Am I striving to move forward? Do I care about the right things? And our topic today is wisdom and godly wisdom. And I want to say on the outset, I believe that you can learn to be wise whether you follow Jesus or not. Life has a way of giving us experiences that if we choose to learn from them, eventually it will make you wise. But what James is actually talking about is godly wisdom that comes from life experiences, which sometimes has a different motive than the wisdom that comes without following Jesus. Wisdom without Jesus often is for good old number one. How can I get rich? How can I do this? How can I get better? Godly wisdom is what James is talking about, and we're going to see the traits that follow godly wisdom. And they might be a little different than the ones from the world. I, I do realize that sometimes when you talk about these things, a lot of people confuse wisdom and knowledge. Now they are together. It's like a coin almost, like a heads and tails thing. That you, you need wisdom and you need knowledge in order for there to be worth or, or value. And wisdom is actually the use of of knowledge. Knowledge is nothing but facts known by a person, whereas wisdom is kind of the combination of experiences and knowledge with the power of applying them properly. I had a season in my life when I just really loved uh, reptiles. In class in high school, I remember the crocodile was just this amazing beast uh, to me, and I, I just love them. They just look so prehistoric and all the stuff that goes with them. And you might get so invested in studying 
and gaining all the knowledge about crocodiles that you find out all their teeth, how their jaw works, how they eat, the power of their clamp down, and you see a big croc coming toward you and you think to yourself, this is a perfect moment for me to see if all of my knowledge is right. I'm going to open the croc's mouth and I'm going to see if everything is as I know it to be. That would not be a wise decision with the knowledge you have. Amen? So, so I think that gives us a context and understanding. So here's how I would define it. Wisdom is the soundness of an action or decision with regard to the application of experience, knowledge, and good judgment. Okay? I, one of my favorite commercials. I, I, don't, I don't like commercials that much. They get in the way, but... But there's one, it's an insurance commercial, and it starts out by showing these young people running up this hill in a, in a like a, a sci-fi horror movie. And it's a really scary movie. And the line is, have you ever noticed that people don't make good decisions in a horror film? How many of you know where I'm going with this? And they're up there, and you hear them talking about where they should go, where they should run, and, and there's a perfectly good running car, and someone says, let's just get in the running car, like we can get away, and someone says, are you crazy? <laughs> oh, wow, <laughs> I don't know what that was. They say, are you crazy? Let's go hide behind the chainsaws. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Maybe when I bend down, I don't know, I'll, I'll try not to do that anymore. Um, and then finally, just to, to wrap it up, they, it shows this crazy man with a mask. He pulls up and he rolls his eyes like, people are idiots. You know, people are idiots. <laughs> I love the last slide of the commercial. They say, let's run toward the graveyard of the cemetery. Oh, it's funny. I don't know. Sometimes I think that's, that's what wisdom is, though. It's the lack of ability to make a good decision, especially when there's pressure especially when you, you don't know what to do and you feel the anxiety of it all. I can look back on my life. Um, Bonnie and I, my wife Bonnie and I talked about this. I can, I can think of times when I thought, and I, I really mean this, I, I think, why in the world did I ever say that? I'm pretty guarded with my words usually, but I have a few. that Man, I wish I could take back. It was not wise. It, sometimes even if it's true, it's not wise to say it, Right? I have other times when I think, why did I do that? You know, what was I thinking? Have you ever had that moment? Or why did I do that? I, I know better now, but young and dumb, as they say. I don't know. I just wasn't thinking. <laughs> Here's a good one. Why did I buy that? <laughs> why, what was I thinking? Especially on credit, right? So it gets you in all kinds of, of trouble. So th there's a lot of stuff here. So James is wanting us to understand that we should be the people... As the people following God who care about the proper use of knowledge and use wisdom to apply it. So here's some qualities that he lists. All these are found in the book of James in chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. There's just a little segment there where early on in chapter 1 he, he says, if you lack wisdom, ask God. Remember that? We talked about that. This is a little more definition about what the wisdom of God actually produces. So we're going to look at those qualities. There are five things that I want to say in your outline. If you have the app, follow along, or if you picked up a sheet out there with the outline on it. Number one, godly wisdom is meek. We don't use the word meek a lot. 
but humble would be a, a word you could put there. Meek or humble. Humility accompanies godly wisdom. So keep that in mind. And I'm going to read just a few verses from James 3, 13. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the, there it is, humility that comes from what? Wisdom. The humility that actually comes, in other words, wisdom produces this humility. But if you are bitterly jealous, if you have selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual. He even uses a real spiritual word, demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. So let's take heed of that warning. James is trying to give us the truth. How is humility connected to wisdom? Here's, here's one of the things that, just listen as I walk through this. Godly wisdom really has no need to flaunt knowledge. You can know a lot, but if you flaunt it, you're not using godly wisdom. Wisdom that's godly has no need to win or become competitive. Godly wisdom has no desire to share its success. It is what it is. And it's used for good. Godly wisdom has no desire to force people to watch you. In other words, it doesn't say, look at me. Look how smart I am. Look at my good decision. It does not even need a compliment. Godly wisdom is not looking for praise. It's not looking for advancement. Wisdom is completely satisfied. I'll try to put this real simple. With the right action at the right time for the right reason. Godly wisdom, I'll say that one more time, is completely satisfied with the right action at the right time for the right reason. You might have the right answer, but if the timing is off, it's not going to work and it's not going to be wise. So all of these things kind of compile for this moment. And these are not, this is not easy to do. I'm, all morning, I'm not suggesting any of this is easy. I'm pointing at me. I'm trying to learn what godly wisdom is. Number two, not only is wisdom humble or produces humility, but it should be pure. And, and this, this is just a, a word that James uses that means untainted. It, it's not mixed. It's just pure. It's like a a gold nugget that has no impurities. It's just right there. It's all together. The wisdom of God is pure. Not sure we can ever fully attain it, but it's pure. And in verse 17, he says it. The wisdom that comes from above, and he says it's first of all. In other words, it's like highest priority is that it's pure. No other motive. Do, do any of you, just a question, uh, do any of you live in a home that has a, a well for water? Okay, a few of you do. How many of you drove a, a gas-powered or diesel-powered automobile here today? All of these things, even a lawnmower, has, they all have something in common. They have a filter. If you have a well, you probably have a, a full house filter. 
Even if you have really good water, it's probably wise because it gets some of the stuff out that needs to come out. Even gasoline, as good as it is, goes into your car. You have a little fuel filter. Why? It gets out the impurities. And that makes it more pure. This is what James is saying. It's an analogy of a filter. What is our filter? Our filter would be the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in our lives through Jesus Christ that we check our motives. Before we throw out our wisdom, the filter of God checks that impure motive. That filter checks the needs of an ego. That filter checks the dishonesty or, may I say it like this, the exaggeration. And our world is filled with exaggeration. That filter checks the pride level or the need to prove something, the need to be right. Look at me. This is how smart I am. Is it pure? I believe there are many people in our world who have experiences in their life that end up being wise, but it's not always pure. It doesn't always result in these things. There should never be gloating in how wise you are. It's an interesting question. It's kind of like humility. So if I say, are you wise? And you go, yeah, very. <laughs> I, I would take notice. It's like, if I say, are you really humble? Oh, yeah, that's like my number one trait. <laughs> these, these qualities are unknowns. And I think personally, we don't know if we're really if we're really wise or if we're really humble. They are things that come out and others need to be the judge of that. God needs to be the judge of that. But these are kind of some fruit that comes out of this. Okay, number three. Godly wisdom is peaceable. Now this one, you could challenge this on several different levels, but I'm going to say it to the heart as best I can. James says, it is not only is it humble and pure, but this next line is, it is also peace-loving. And then there's this little phrase, gentle at all times. Whoa. Godly wisdom is peace-loving and gentle at all times. So I have a question for you. Is your life and your relationships, are your relationships filled with peace? Do you have very many enemies? Because godly wisdom, if you have it, would mean that your life is not filled with pain from broken relationships over and over and over. That might be a clue for you that you're not learning from your mistakes and you're not listening because godly wisdom produce, produces a gentleness in our relationships. The loving peace and the gentleness together. I saw a, saw a situation happen years ago. So... I'm a motorcycle guy. Bonnie and I used to love riding, and we used to ride a lot more than we do now. But we, a couple times we went up to this motorcycle rally called Sturges. Anybody ever hear of it? It's gotten too crazy for me now. But, but back in the day, it was, it was kind of fun to see all the show bikes. I mean, it was amazing. I remember one time we were there, and what you do is you back your, your motorcycle up with the back tire against the curb facing the street. And and you just line them up like dominoes, honestly. Like there's thousands of motorcycles lined up on the curb. And then in the center of the street, 
their back tires are together facing out to, and it creates this little 10-foot pathway where it's a big circle for blocks and people ride that circle just to show off their bikes and stuff. And then the other side is the same. So you've got this all these depth of motorcycles everywhere and it's noisy and loud and obnoxious. And we were sitting there one time and a guy came around the corner a little fast and he's on a really nice bike, and he, he comes up, and he locks his front brake. And I, I thought to myself, oh, don't do it, dude, because he was going to do a burnout. Do you guys know what a burnout is? It's where you lock your front brake, and you put it in first gear, and you, you pop the clutch, and the tire starts spinning, but you don't move. You stay there, and it starts putting smoke everywhere, and it smells horrible. But some guys, some guys actually do a burnout to the point that their back tire pops, breaks. It, it usually has something to do with alcohol. <laughs> or drugs. This guy comes around this corner, and he pulls in the clutch, and I see him when he, he revs it up, and he pulls in the brake, and I'm like, oh, man, this is, and we're in his line. Like, he's right over there by you, and and he, all of a sudden, boom, man, he hits this throttle and smoke starts going everywhere. One problem. He let go of the front brake. And it catapulted him, fortunately for us, it was to the left of where we were sitting. And his bike just plowed into a whole bunch of, there was a motorcycle gang that was sitting there. And it plowed into those bikes and just started knocking them over like dominoes. And he jumps up. And saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And they're all coming around him like, what are you doing? He pulls out his wallet and he's like handing $100 bills to everybody. And he's saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'll pay for everything. I'll pay for everything. And he's yelling it. I'll pay for everything. And I still have that image in my mind because what happened in that situation is that he was trying to find peace after the fact when he had no wisdom. And that's what we do. We sometimes live our lives with this reality that I really want peace in this relationship. Oh, I, I know what I did. I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. But that's not how life often works. Sometimes you can't get that peace. You can't make it right. That's why James is saying on the front end, think it through. Let the wisdom of God help you with the plans that you are making so that you don't have the crash at the end and have to start over. James wants us to have peace in our relationships. Right now that's really big in our culture. Do I have peace with my enemies? Do I have peace with those that I disagree with? Am I okay with letting my actions be measured by God's rule instead of just mankind's? I think that these are important things. The big picture is telling us that we are not supposed to be the people looking for a fight. We're not supposed to thrive on conflict. Now, that takes us to a really tough one in number four. And that is that godly wisdom is open to reason. It's open to reason. So, what does this actually mean? <laughs> We've got to get this one right. I can't just shut it down and say, I'm right, this is my answer, this is how I will live, and I'm not listening to any other view. That's not godly wisdom. 
Verse 17, the second part of it. Listen carefully. And godly wisdom is willing to yield to others. Does that mean everybody? Does that mean that my opinion doesn't count, that I yield to anyone and everyone? No, it actually doesn't, but it, it is an implication of where we are in our mind and in our convictions. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism, and it's always sincere. It, it doesn't leak into sarcasm. Godly wisdom doesn't gloat in a right decision that says, well, I guess I showed them doesn't have that. It's not a part of what godly wisdom is. Or I got the last word there, didn't I? Did you read that thread? No. That's not godly wisdom. This says that I will yield to others. I will have mercy even with those who disagree with me. Godly wisdom loves to say, you are right if they are. Now hear this. I've heard people say, I hate it when they're right. I get that. You might have to say, you're right, and I appreciate the fact that you found the best way forward, but you're still a jerk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you wouldn't want to say that. You wouldn't want to say that, but you might think that in your mind. And there's actually truth to that. You might realize that there's a dynamic in this person that you despise. You don't like it. It's not godly but you still rejoice that there is a better answer than the one you had. That's godly wisdom. Am I even open to hearing someone else's opinion? Wisdom is open to changing its mind and its direction when it discovers a better path. Knowing I'm limited, knowing I'm not always right. It's happy when a solution is found regardless of the source. It is blind to the need to be the first one to solve the problem. Yielding to others. This is, not, this is not easy. Being filled with mercy. This is not easy. I see wisdom in people by the way they offer mercy. Wise people understand that there are consequences to our actions. One of the, one of the things that will push my button faster than about anything else is truly injustice. Like issues of injustice just, man, it fires me up. And I can quickly move from having godly wisdom to help assess the problem and do what I can to anger. Now, anger in and of itself can be godly. It can motivate you to action. Jesus was angry. But it doesn't mean it requires violence. Godly wisdom has a line at the end of that anger that says, how can I help this situation? How can I bring justice? And I know that justice brings consequences, but it doesn't mean I will rejoice when they get what's coming. It means that I will have pause. That they may get what's coming. But I want to offer mercy if I can even though they're suffering the consequence of a reality of their decision. Are you with me? These are tough things, especially in our culture now. Don't live angry. Refuse it. Just don't do it. Last thing. Whole people are always becoming wise. 
It's, it's part of your life journey. We have phrases like, like I've heard, I heard someone say this the other day, they're pretty wise for their age. What, what does that mean? It means that typically wisdom comes after years and years and years of trial and error. And I finally learned my lesson. So when someone younger makes a really good base decision in truth and facts and God and all that, then we go, wow, that's impressive. Because when I was young, I wouldn't have made that good of a decision. We have some young people in this church that are making amazing decisions. They are wise. They are letting God lead them. I, I love it. People who have given up on this younger generation have missed it because there's some amazing young people and students and young adults in our world today that have got the blessing of God on their life. And they're fighting for some really good things. As a matter of fact, give it up for our young people. They are. Verse 18, and those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace. So, so you're following the sequence. Wisdom creates peacemakers. And if you're a peacemaker, you will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of what? Righteousness. Now, now here's the thing. What's this thing about planting? Planting seeds. Why is James even using this analogy? Gaining wisdom is a result of experiencing all of life's decisions and consequences. So what's happening here is, how many of you have ever planted anything? Okay, some of you who have been farmers or you have a garden or whatever, flowers, you put a seed in the ground and then you have to trust the soil and the water. You don't see what happens under the ground, right? You trust it. Because for thousands of years, it's worked. And then you get a harvest. So the key with this is it takes longer than you want it to. Harvesting takes time. That's why it requires patience. But the fruit of that is peace. So I want to just make a statement about our culture right now. Our culture has become very comfortable with planting seeds on purpose of strife. Planting seeds of anger and of violence on purpose. Planting seeds of domination and overpowering others who they think are weak. And here's a big one. Seeds of belittling and shaming. None of these are godly. This isn't godly wisdom and we are the people who need to fight that we are the people who need to come against that in the mighty name of Jesus Christ and our lives and our traits our conscience our behaviors do not do that our lives are marked by the peace and the mercy that we offer others who are living in this hate and in this violence. And we are separate from the world when it comes to these traits. You are chosen by God to go to your world and bring godly wisdom to these worldly things. We must be those people. We must be those people. God help us to be those people. Being peacemakers means listening more than I speak. It means understanding a different view than the one I hold. Man, this is huge. I hope it can, I hope it can sink in. 
but I've already made up my mind. Why? The only thing you should have made up your mind about is that Jesus is the Son of God and the way to the Father. Everything else is on the table. Well, you don't understand. No, I don't. Because godly wisdom says, I can use my brain to engage. I may come back to the exact same position I am right now, but I will listen to you, and I will value you as someone created in the image of God, and I'm not going to smash you or push you out or make you feel stupid for your opinion. God needs to help us, you guys. We need to lead the way with this. I'm praying for that. Let's be people who value these things. Let's make good financial decisions, good relationship decisions, and good lifestyle choices. Let's pray. We're convicted. Lord, I'm convicted. Sometimes I don't feel like I have much of this godly wisdom because my flesh just creeps up and the hairs on the back of my neck stand up and I want to do something. I want to say something Maybe that's appropriate, but I need you to guard my words and my attitude and my life. Talk to us now, Lord. Show us a better way. Show us the hand of a loving God reaching out to people who are lost and don't live and walk in the truth. Don't let us lose our chance by saying something stupid. Don't let us burn a bridge to those we disagree with. Give us courage and strength to listen and care. Change us today, Holy Spirit. Just a little bit. Just tweak our direction just enough. There's a couple things I want to do with your heads bowed before we wrap up. And that is some of you are right in the middle of big decisions and you really need wisdom, like for something specific. I've had times in my life, big decisions in my marriage with kids or grandkids or whatever, where I I really prayed for wisdom because it was a big, I'm not talking about just where do I get my coffee tomorrow. I'm talking about you're at a stage in your life, a crossroads in your life where this decision has big impact in your future. I wanna pray over you today that God will give you wisdom today for that, okay? so. That's all I'm going to do. We're not going to ask you to come up here or do anything. And just raise your hand if you're in that life moment where you're trying to make a decision and you really need God's guidance. You, you can put them right back down. Lord, come on, church, pray with me. Lord, we agree together in our living room today. We care for this brother and this sister. We love them already in your name. And we pray over them, with them, for them that your blessing would be manifest in their life, that you would open the doors that need to be open, you would close the doors that need to be shut, that they would see the path you want them to walk in, that they would have the wisdom of God to make this decision. Put the right things in their heart so they can follow that, that discernment and give them favor with those around them, Lord. May we hear of good decisions that have been made because of this moment right here in this room. If you're here without Jesus Christ, I invite you to take a step today to say, I'm going to follow the Lord with my life and my future. Just say it to him right now. I believe in you and I trust you. We'll help you. We'll come alongside and journey with you. Lord, thank you for shaping us, for changing us today. 
Let your word stay in our heart and life all week long. Thank you for James and what he said. May we receive it. And everyone said amen. Amen.